Good morning. Um, this morning, the, the Lent practice um, from the book that we've been doing is actually a Lectio Divina, which is kind of the one or the other that we do on a Sunday morning. So um, in light of that, I thought I would switch it up. And instead of a Lectio Divina, we would do a Visio Divina, which means instead of looking at words, we're going to look at pictures instead. Part of the problem, <laughs> part of the many problems um, we have within our faith culture is that a lot of us are stuck in our heads and, um, and our faith actually really needs to be realized in all of our being, not just up here. So we need to use all of our senses to experience the love of God. And that's why it's important to look around and to listen closely, to breathe deep, to smell your surroundings, uh, to touch and feel the textures of this uh, world and taste the wonders um, of what the earth provides for us. So today we're gonna use our eyes specifically, but I encourage you to kind of try to go even a little further into it. So um, for any of you who have known me for a little longer, you know that I have a little bit of a thing about doors and um, I've taken lots of door pictures over the years. And so I chose two for this morning and we're gonna have the pictures side by side um, on the screen. And you are going to look at both and choose one of the doors as the one you want to use for this experience this morning. Um, probably there will be one or the other that you just go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm drawn to that. And so for whatever reason you're drawn, um, just enter into that picture, try to let the other one fade out of the way. And, um, and we'll start now. So if um, we can have those pictures. So those are the two doors. And yes, I do realize that the one on the right is not actually a door, but a doorway. You have to forgive me on that one. So as you look at the picture, just look all around it into the nooks and crannies of it. What about this picture are you drawn to? Now, as you look at the picture, how might this picture represent you? Your heart, your mind, your present state, how might it represent you? And now, let's ask Jesus, so of your chosen picture, let's ask Jesus, what do you love about this picture?
And in saying that, we recognize that because we have attached ourselves to that picture, um, it's about what does he love about us, about each of us. Did he show you something different than you had noticed at first? What are you meant to embrace for yourself from this picture this morning? What can you take with you into this coming week? So Jesus, I ask now that whatever you've shown us about this door, about who we are, about how you feel about us, that we will be able to uh, gather all of that up and hold it in our hearts as we enter into this week. That um, we would be encouraged, that we would feel close to you, and that we would recognize um, how you express your love to us in so many ways. And Jesus, I ask that you be with Sarah this morning as she shares with us. Pray that you will, um, that you will speak clearly through her, that um, we will have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that are willing to understand the truths that she is about to bring. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thanks. That was, a, I love those doors. That one with the um, the ivy. I was like, was it inside? Was it outside? Was it so intriguing. So good morning and uh, welcome. It's nice to see all your faces. I do enjoy being together. You know, a year ago we were live. Crazy. Um, well done that you're still here. If you've joined us since we began, it's cool that you're here. Um, and uh, this morning I am going to talk about uh, the passage from John that's in the lectionary and to be honest, it is shocking. The lectionary is taking this time of Lent to lead us up to Easter and uh, taking moments from Jesus's life that set up what's going to happen with his death and resurrection. And this passage does it in a really shocking way but I actually think we've read the Bible too many times to be shocked by it. Like you can read it and go, yeah, yeah, yeah that happened. And not feel it like it was uh, felt the first time we read it or not feel it like the first time it happened. So I'm gonna try and illustrate it with um, a few more recent events. And I'm gonna show some images from different angles um, and points of view, some of which I can get behind and others of which I wouldn't. And I'm not gonna tell you which, because it's not about taking sides and it's definitely not about me. Uh, so I'm going to show you the shocking thing that Jesus did, but I want to show you it in a modern context, the shocking manner. We all think different things. We all believe different things. We all come from different angles. And what I'm saying is I do not want any fights to break out in the chat. 
Okay, so withhold your fighting and uh, we'll just, just let it be shocking. And that is as much as we need to do with it. Okay, is that enough preamble? Everybody agreed? No fighting, no biting, no spitting, none of that. Okay, um, so uh, focus on the shock factor because it is not about anything else but that. So I'm just gonna share my screen. The only side I want us to take is Jesus's. The march on the Capitol to interrupt and overthrow the transfer of power in Washington was shocking. The blockade on transit lines to protest concerning the control of the traditional territory of the Wet'suwet'en nation and their supporters was disruptive. It was disruptive to the system, it was disruptive to industry, and it was shocking. Greta Thunberg organized young people to, to coordinated mass protests over climate change. And her speech at the UN interrupted the voices that wielded power globally, and her speech to them was shocking. My message, says Greta, is that we'll be watching you. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us, young people, for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words, and yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Shocking, right? These are table turners, all of them. They all believe they are doing something that will set right what they perceive as wrong. And I'm carefully saying that as they perceive it because everyone sees from their perspective and viewpoints are from a point of view. There are many, many more examples I could have used like the Black Lives Matter protests from last year, the lobster fishing rights on the East Coast, anti-maskers demonstration. Um, all kinds of things, right? Just to give you those three stories from different points of view to show how shocking today's story is. But they only come just a little bit close. Just a little bit close. I mean, not even close, a little bit close to how astonishing what Jesus did was. And uh, Johnny is going to read it for us. And I'm going to roll some artistic portrayals of the events um, for those of us who prefer a visual way of learning. So, uh, Johnny, I'm going to take it away. Perfect. Jesus clears out the temple courtyard. <clears throat> it was almost time for the Jewish Passover feast. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courtyard, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves. Others were sitting at the table exchanging money. So Jesus made a whip out of ropes. He chased all the sheep and cattle from the temple courtyard. He scattered the coins of the people exchanging money and he turned over their tables. He told those who were selling doves, get those out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered what had been written. It says, my great love for your house will destroy me. Then the, Jesus, then the Jewish leaders asked him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do this? 
Jesus answered them, When you destroy this temple, I will rise it up again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. Are you going to rise it up in three days? But the temple Jesus had spoken about was his body. His disciples later remembered what he had said. That was after he had been raised from the dead. Then he believed then they believed the scripture. They also believed the words that Jesus had spoken. Thanks, Johnny. So this happens in the temple in Jerusalem, and that's important where it happens. Um, it isn't it um, it's the temple was the center of life in Israel, and it wasn't just the center of life, it was like the beating heart of the center of life in Israel. It was the focus for worship, it was the focus for music, it was the, the focus for politics and society. It was a place of national celebration, and it was a place of national mourning. And uh, it was a house of prayer. And most importantly, it was the place where the eternal had promised their presence would be in the midst of God's people. And then enter Jesus. The very real and man-shaped presence of God, who fashions a whip from rope and cleanses the temple, turning over tables, scattering animals, and driving them all from the place of prayer for all the people. This is an action, telling about what is already true and what is coming. There is significance in everything, and everything that John tells us is a way of making a point. And a few things jumped out at me from this. The first one was that Jesus made a whip from rope. And I wonder maybe it's like foretelling of the rope that was fashioned at his trial that he was whipped with. Then he turns over tables and he rids the temple of the animals and the birds used in sacrifice. He's driving them out because they are no longer needed because he is taking their place. He is the Lamb of God and he's giving himself. And then there's the turning over of the tables and scattering money and I can hear the coins clattering to the ground. And it makes me think of the money that Judas threw at the ground at the feet of the temple leaders when he realized what he'd done in handing Jesus over to them. I might be wrong in all of that. I might be right. The disciples, it says, remembered what had been written about him. My great love for your house destroys me, it says in Psalm 69, verse 9. Or um, it is zeal for your house that has consumed me. I think I might have actually read that verse wrong for a long, a long, long time. Um, it says, it is zeal for your house that has consumed me. Um, and I've read it like uh, he loves the temple. He's doing it because he loves the temple. That's what zeal is. Great love is what is making him do it. But I'm reading it again. I saw something else um, and I'm still figuring this out but in the version Johnny read it's translated my great love for your house will destroy me consumes doesn't seem to mean fills my mind or my time or my energy but it seems to mean by looking at a bunch of different translations it seems to mean it kills me his great love for the temple consumes him it kills him it destroys him we can say that figuratively you know like oh you're killing me with saying that but Jesus is, I think Jesus means it literally. His great love for the temple is destroying him. In a few verses, he calls himself the temple. 
And later on, he calls his followers the temple. And his great love for the temple, which is himself, which is us and him, which is him and us, will destroy him or kill him. And why? Because of love. Love, love. It's always all for love with Jesus. This whole event in his life recorded by John in this passage is Jesus pointing to himself crucified. The Jewish leaders question his authority. I have to tell you, this painting, when you see it in real life, is enormous. I think it's about 12 feet tall. Like it's massive. And you see it from the point of view of Jesus looking down and it is, it's insane. Um, I'm just a bit overwhelmed by the painting as I'm looking at. Um, so uh, the Jewish leaders question Jesus' authority. They don't know who he is, but we do. He's the son of God. He is love incarnate. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And no one has more authority. And you can see that he knows it because he points to himself and he says, when you destroy this temple, I will raise it up again in three days. Now, the leaders thought he was talking about the temple that he was in, but he was talking about himself. Crucifixion, death and resurrection, they are coming. We're getting ready for Easter. His action at the temple is like a trailer to the feature film that is being created where he will save the world. And in just the next chapter, because this is chapter two, in the next chapter, John tells us of the conversation between John and Nicodemus. And Jesus tells him, this is why this is happening. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. John has his table turning event at the beginning of his gospel. The other writers have it at the end during Jesus's last week. But John has it at the start to make a point about who Jesus is. Um, his first story in chapter two is Jesus turning water into wine and establishing Jesus as the center of the party. The first miracle is about everyday life. It's set at a wedding. Um, turning water into wine, it's about Jesus being involved in everything. And then John quickly follows it with this story that establishes his body as the true temple and that the temple building has been pointing to him this whole time. And that love will consume him. It is always all for love with Jesus. I'm just in awe of Jesus in this story. The power that he demonstrates, the love that he demonstrates, the corrupt system that is being overthrown to make room for the kingdom that is to come. The work of justice is the work of love. Let's say that again. The work of justice is the work of love. Justice is love in action. And Jesus in action is what justice looks like. Justice is his kingdom come for and in the world that he loves. And the tables of corrupt, inhumane and damaging systems are overthrown by Jesus because of love. So what is there in here for us? What tables are there to overturn, to work the new system of your kingdom come, your will be done? And are we the ones to do it? Maybe. Maybe we are. I have a, a little story for you. Uh, who drinks alternative milk at Starbucks in their coffee? Anyone? Yeah, and you're very welcome. Let me explain. Okay, 
So uh, this is just a personal example of table turning. And I was going to say it's a small example, but actually for people who need alternative milks in their coffee, actually it's a fairly important table turn. So this happened back in England, in Kingston, uh, Southwest London. And I had a regular Saturday date with the books that I needed to read for work that I would take to my local Starbucks. I am lactose intolerant. And every week I would ask if they had an alternative to dairy that they could use in my coffee. And every week they said no. And so every week I produced this little bag of soy milk, this little, this little box of soy milk, and I handed it over and said, could you make it with this, please? And they would take my milk, make it, make my coffee and give it to me. And every week I wrote in the, in the uh, comments, please could you stock milk that's not dairy? Um, and every week, like rinse and repeat, we did this every single week. It was the same old story. I actually hate soy milk. I'm so glad they invented other kinds of milk. But soy milk is like, I mean, coffee, it's terrible. Um, but at the time, it was the only milk that we had. So every week they said no. Every week I produced my little carton. Every week I wrote in a suggestion box that was literally at that point a suggestion box, nothing online any, at that point. Like, this is a long time ago. And so uh, one week, though, the manager said, hey, I'm actually going to a manager's meeting next week nationally. Um, I'm going to take your suggestion to that meeting and see what they say. I'm like, cool. And so she did. She came, She went, she suggested it, and they said, okay, that's a good idea. And they started stocking soy milk in all the stores across the country. So if you have soy milk or any other kind of milk in your coffee, you are very welcome. Table turned. It's small. And you might perceive it as a less worthy table to overturn than some, but it's a table nonetheless, because it cares for people all kinds of people with their various dietary requirements. So what tables do you see to be overturned? I'm going to ask you to put in the chat right now. Do you see tables that need overturning? Do you see places where the system is not caring, where the kingdom of God would do a better job of caring than the kingdom of man is doing? Would have been more fun with a whip, but yeah, I had a pen and I wrote in the suggestion box. Thanks, Jeff. That's funny. So, what tables do you see to be overturned to work the new system of your kingdom come and your will be done? Um, write it down. No, I've never got a reduced rate. You and I have to pay more to have alternatives like gluten tax, right? You have to pay more to have the alternative thing. More helps for children with learning disabilities, criminal justice system, othering people. Every time we ask the question, if you had enough agency and resources, what would you sort out? Those are things, those are the systems that we look at and go, the kingdom of God looks like this. How can we make that so? Marginalized communities need to be heard and nurtured. Our systems don't know how to support people who have trauma background. In fact, most systems traumatize people. Workplace equality for women. General attitudes towards those with drug addictions. Speaking addicts as human beings. Lots of good stuff. Understanding trauma in the classroom. 
I saw uh, Jen Cusick post this on Facebook this week. She wrote, um, I think we need a website to support us to be better activists. There are so many issues that need our attention these days that we can get compassion overload, our attention uh, and become immobilized. This is especially true when we don't know what to do, when we are constantly bombarded with issues and we don't have a clear idea of what to do about it. So we get stuck and we don't do a bloody thing, I quote. Um, so what if there, were act there was an activist's website? You click on the issues that you're passionate about and it gives you options of what you can do about it. Petitions, phone numbers, email templates, donation recommendations. Um, she continues, I just watched the case of the Chicago 7 last night. I was convicted about how today we are pretty complacent about issues, yet the world isn't a whole lot better than it was in the 60s. They, we are all pretty content to sit back on our comfy couches and chill out. I honestly think that part of this comes from overwhelm and not knowing what to do. So what tables are there to be overturned to work the new system of your kingdom come and your will be done? And once you've seen it, what the heck do you do about it? It's a lot, right? And it can be overwhelming, especially if we try and take it all on. And there's a reason that it's overwhelming. And the reason is we're not actually made to know everything, to fix everything, and to put every system that is wrong right. Sure, we can do what we can do. And I'm not saying that we do nothing, but I want to remind us that the job of saving the world has actually already been done. And it wasn't by us. Our role, like Captain Kirk says, is to make it so, number one. Like to follow orders. The order is to, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is our role, to work out the kingdom of God here and now, step by step. Um, Ken Tanner is a guy that I follow on Instagram. He's a, a priest. Um, and he says, this is not counsel to bury your head in the sand or to live a disengaged life. There is nothing Christ-like about avoiding the pain of the world and living until you are 114. But it's also good and healthy to acknowledge your limits. There is only one human that can bear it all, and that human is also God. Some of us are gifted in carrying more of the pain of others, and it's our calling. Know yourself and know your limits. And as well as know yourself and know your limits, how about we know God and know God's limitlessness? Jesus, in overturning the tables, was making room for himself. He used the real temple, a better sacrifice, and it was all done for love, all of it. And he invites us to join him. The work of justice is the work of love because the work of justice is the work of Jesus, who is love. So he lets us help, right? He does it and he lets us help every now and again. We get to be hands and feet and do the thing that he has already done. As I wrap up, let me pose that question again. Um, I've said it a few times already, and then let's chat about it as we go into the Q&R. Um, and uh, we'll get there in just a second. So here's the question again. What tables are there to overturn to work the new system of your kingdom come, your will be done? But let's chat about that in the Q&R 
And we call it Q&R, question and response, because we do not pretend to have any answers. What labels are there to overturn, to work the new system of God's kingdom come and God's will be done? And are we to do it? Let's pray. Holy one. Wow. That is quite the story, and I'm in awe of Jesus. Jesus is fully human and fully divine. And in this story, I see, I see divine strength and wisdom and determination to change systems that hurt the people that you love. And I see big disruptive actions that demonstrate love. And Jesus, I ask that you would fill us with your wisdom. Where we have tables to overturn, give us the wisdom that we need. Remind us of who we are and whose we are. But more importantly, remind us that you are the invincible one, not us. You are the wisdom, not us. You are strength, not us. You are the savior of the world, not us. Help us keep the perspective that we need by keeping you, Jesus, front and center, always. And then hand in hand with you, let's just do the next thing in front of us. Keep us out and love the next person in front of us. I guess both those things are basically the same. Amen.